0: Hello, Oma, and Kudichiwa. I am your host, Daniel Gumby Freeland, and this is the Prelim Primer, the one and only podcast fully dedicated to the Curtain Jerkers. I first talked about those fighting in the prelims of upcoming UFC fight cards. This weekend is UFC Edmund Shabazian versus Derek Brunson, an exciting middleweight tilt. We, of course, also have uh, Joanne Calderwood fighting Jennifer Maya on the main card as well. But those of you who frequent the show already know we are not here to talk about either of those fights, or any of the fights on the main card for that matter, because this is the prelim primer. Now, those of you who are new to the show, you might be asking, why are we just looking at the prelims? Why are we not looking at a main card that's got you know title shot implications in multiple fights? The answer is really simple. The answer is we know that you guys probably already know a lot about Edmund and Derek Brunson, uh, Joanne Calderwood, all, all of those fighters you probably already know quite a bit about. But you probably don't know a lot about these fighters on the prelims, and that's where we think we can come in and help because there's a lot of value to be added whether you're gambling or playing daily fantasy sports when you're looking at the prelims. And speaking of playing fantasy sports or gambling, this episode is brought to you by AJ's Action Pack Sports Betts.com. You can check out AJ once again at AJ's Action Pack Sports Bets.com. That link is in our show notes. He is unlike any other of the companies or people who offer gambling advice he's not just a list of fighters or teams to put money down on each week instead he provides so much more to that to his customers He gives you his picks, but he also gives you education that you can use for years to come. He gives you in-depth breakdowns. They're sent right to your inbox. It's super easy to get that information, whether it is DraftKings or whether it is gambling, and you get both with AJ, which is awesome. And essentially, he's going to give you all the tips and the know-how so that you can continue to make informed decisions and continue to make bets that make sense for you. So, once again, I highly suggest checking him out, AJ'sActionPackSportsBets.com. You can check out his record there, his past breakdowns, and his customer success. And, of course, I suggest following him on Twitter, at AJ's MMA Betting. You will not be sorry you did. Now. Let's get to the body of the show here. Of course, for me to break these prelims down, I've got to be joined by a co-host. I've got a new co-host for the first time this weekend. I'll be joined by Ryan Jarrell. You might know him as the host of Between Rounds Radio, or you can find him all kinds of different places like Low Kick MMA, The Scrap News, or Cage Side Press. Ryan, thanks so much for joining me.
1: Hey, I appreciate the time. Thank you for having me.
0: Absolutely. And as you guys know, we start every round by putting five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start this round by talking about Lando Venata versus Bobby Green. Lando Venata rebounded from a loss to Mark Diacasei with a win over Yancey Medeiros back in February. Uh, He also has reached—oh, no, sorry, that's Bobby Green. Bobby Green is back to his winning ways after two straight losses. He beat Clay Guida back in June. Now, these two have already fought. They fought all the way back in 2017. How much of that fight do you think we can take away and we can apply to this fight?
1: You know, as I think most mixed martial artists will tell you, they're constantly evolving. I think both guys you think are better now versus, you know, three years ago. The thing about Lando Venata for me, like I get really confused because when I first saw him come on the scene and he had Tony Ferguson wobbled, he, he looked like someone that could really make a run at 155 pounds and and since then it just hasn't translated to wins he's he's lost to dia casey he's lost to dracar Dr- 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 uh dracar close tamer i mean granted all three of those fights went the distance but vanada really just he hasn't looked as as the fighter that i thought he was going to be so i'm really intrigued about this fight because bobby green brings it he's a gamer he's a veteran i mean he's 25 10 and one he's been around for quite some time now and these guys' styles, this is gonna make it could be fight of the night. These two really go in there. They like to get after it. I think this fight's gonna stay on the feet. Um I think Vanada should win this fight. I think he has more ways to maybe potentially clip Bobby Green and, and finish the fight. But this could go either way. I'm really intrigued about this one, and I do think it could end up being fight of the night.
0: Yeah, and here's a question for you too. Lando Venata also really underrated wrestling. Do you think there's any chance he leans on that whatsoever or does he just absolutely get suckered into the classic Bobby Green, drag him out, knock him down kind of fight?
1: I think the only way Vinata is going to turn this into a wrestling match is if Green hurts him. And he, he needs to lean on that, and he needs to get the fight off of the feet onto the ground. Uh, Vinata has proven in the past he, he's got a tough chin. I mean, he trains that for a lot of people's money, maybe the best gym in the world, Jackson Winklejohn. Uh, you know, So he, I, I feel like that's the only way this fight will go to the ground is, is if he gets hurt and, and he needs a, a little breather, so to speak.
0: Makes a lot of sense to me. We are at the end of the time for this fight. I do need an official prediction for you. Who you got and how you got him.
1: You know, again, like I said, I think this really could be fight of the night. Uh, I respect both of these guys tremendously. I think Venata's going to win a decision in a very close stand-up war.
0: Yeah, and I'm going to go the exact same way with you. I, I think there's no way this fight doesn't go to decision. I like Lando Venata being just a little bit more crafty on the feet here. Um, and that brings us to our second fight, which is Frankie Signs versus Jonathan Martinez. Frankie Signs recently lost a two-fight streak because he lost to Marlon Vera. Uh, Jonathan Martinez had his own two-fight win streak snapped in a Loss to Andre Yule. So, both of them coming off of losses after having a 2-fight win streak. Now, here's my question for you. Signs is nearly 40 years old. He's fighting only about once a year. It is against very high-level competition. How concerned are you as sort of the the curve is dropping here for Frankie Signs?
1: That is definitely a concern. I, I think a lot of fighters that fight at heavier weight classes, uh, you know, a la Daniel Cormier, or even you know Dan Henderson at middleweight before he retired, you know, they their styles and they can translate into fighting into their forties. I'm not so sure that's the case for smaller guys. Uh, however, forties a new thirty man. <laughs> you can't me otherwise. I, I mean, and all of the, uh, I guess the, um, the the smart, you know. Uh, nutritional things that these fighters are doing and you know taking time off letting their body heal they're doing it the right way they're they're lengthening their careers and and I think science if you look at who he's fought I mean geez the guys he's lost to I mean Uriah Faber one of the all-time greats in, in his weight class you know Eddie Wineland who at one point in time uh was one of the best in the weight class as well you know and and he's beat guys like Uriel Contra and, and uh, Dashvili so I mean he's been in there with the best of the best I think Martinez is is a gamer uh he's not quite as experienced as frankie is but uh this is going to be a really interesting fight here and uh, i could really see it going either way but i am kind of leaning towards the uh the, the elder statesman so to speak <laughs> to get a, an important win at this point in his career
0: yeah and here's a question for you too
1: frankie signs like you said is it is aging but he
0: seems to be resting the right amount is he going to be rest enough in the fight because let's face it jonathan martinez does keep a little bit higher of a pace. Frankie Signs is a little bit more of a grinder. How, how much will that play in? Do you think his gas tank is, is something that we should worry about?
1: Well, I think that's the big question as to who wins and who loses this fight. Um, you know, as you said, you know, Frankie is getting a little bit older. So we're going to find out how much he does have left, if he's still a viable contender, and if the UFC will keep him around. Again, this is really a monster fight for both of these guys in their career. You know, they're, they're, they're both coming off of losses. They need a win. I think this is smart matchmaking by the UFC. And, you know, whoever loses this fight, could potentially uh, be saying sayonara.
0: Yep, and so it's time
1: officially
0: for that prediction. Who you got, how you got him?
1: Man, this is another toss-up, but I, I am leaning towards Frankie here. I, I do feel like he's fought the better competition uh, overall, and and I think he's going to find a way to, to get a win. Uh, I'm, I'm thinking of decision.
0: All right, I'm going to go decision as well, but I'm actually going to go on the other side. I like Jonathan Martinez in this one. I think he probably sticks and moves enough and probably wins the late rounds because I personally – am worried about that gas tank and that's going to do it for the end of our first round we're going to take a quick break talk to our sponsors and we'll be right back with round number two and this is just a reminder that this show is brought to you by aj's action Pack sports bets.com. that link is in the show notes one of the awesome things about AJ is that, you're again, you're not just getting his picks, but he's sending you pros and cons for each matchup, along with his thoughts on different DraftKings matchups. He lets you know who's probably going to be highly owned and who might not be owned hardly at all, which is really helpful when you're trying to win the big money. And he doesn't stop there. He also provides tons of audio and video content for his clients. And I highly suggest checking that kind of stuff out because it's an easy listen on the ride to work, and it's really going to take your game to the next level. You can check out all of that stuff at AJ's action-packed sports bets.com. And we are back with round number two. We're going to put another five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start this round by talking about Ray Borg versus Nathan Manis. So, Borg had a two-fight win streak, but he lost that to, to Ricky Simone. He's going to be fighting Nathan Manis, who is making his UFC debut at 11-1. He picked up a KO back in February in an organization called HR MMA. So, uh, obviously, Ray Borg, the weight has always been an issue. He has not looked stellar since coming up to Bantamweight. But they are giving him a newcomer here. A newcomer who's kind of unproven against high-level competition what are your sort of your thoughts on Ray Borg in that division and whether or not he can hang with not just the top of the division but but even the bottom of the division.
1: You know, I think the big question here Daniel is where's his head at? He's been through quite a lot over the last couple of years. I mean, he had six fights in a row canceled for for various reasons. But, you know, at the at the end of the day, I I feel like a lot of fighters will tell you the um the mental side of the game and confidence and all of that doesn't get enough Uh, It it doesn't get enough, um, you know, importance, I guess, laid on it as to just going out there, being the physically better man. I, and, and I think that's the big question here is where is Ray Borgett in his head? I mean, his son in 2018 was diagnosed with a brain condition. I know that's been very difficult on, the, on their family, um, you know, and and he made it to the to the top of the uh, the heap there fighting Mighty Mouse back in the day for uh, a, a title and, you know, did fairly well. I think he surprised a lot of people actually taking him all the way into the fifth round. So he's got the skill set. And again, I mean, Nate. Nathan Maness making his UFC debut. This could be one of those fights where, you know, the UFC might be, I don't want to say throwing Ray Borg, uh, uh, a layup fight here, because I don't think that's the case. I mean, Nathan's 11 and one. He he was the HR MMA 145 pound champion. He beat Jesse Arnett uh, in the second round, who I know very well. That guy's a gamer. That guy can fight. So this is not going to be an easy fight by any by any means. But I do think Ray Borg again, a veteran here. Uh, he needs a win, and uh, it's all going to come down to the mental side, in my in my opinion.
0: Uh, I agree with you there too. I'm also interested to see how the wrestling plays out here, because Ray Borg. You're right. He he surprised a lot of people against Mighty Mouse, and I think the reason he surprised so many people is because his scrambling is top-notch. He's one of the best scramblers in the UFC, whether he's doing really well or not. That fight with Casey Kenny showed a lot of that, even though he came out on bottom in, in that fight. He's fighting a guy here in Nathan Manis who does rely a little bit on his wrestling. And, and for a guy, you know, stepping into the UFC, you mentioned, you know, he did have that 145-pound fight. He's coming down to 35. That's going to be a little bit more tiring. You fight a good scrambler like Borg. I'm interested to see how that plays, but I do think that grappling aspect is going to be so big. And that actually brings us to our prediction. Who you got in this one and how do you got him?
1: Yeah, I actually agree with what you just said about the grappling aspect. I think that's going to be a big factor in this fight. Uh, because of that, I do see Borg winning a, a tough hard-fought decision. Again, I'm going with decisions here, but I'm going to change that. Moving on once we (laughs) get some other fights. All right, so I'm going to agree with you on Ray Borg, but I am going to disagree with you. I'm
0: going to get the finish in this one. I do say Ray Borg's submission skills come out here. Wouldn't be surprised to see him catch a guillotine or sprawl out on him and take his back uh, and finish it there. And that brings us to another very fun fight, which is Eric Spicely versus Marcus Perez. Uh, Spicely recently brought back to the UFC last June after a short notice uh, fight with Darren Wynn He also had a, a two fight win streak with CES MMA Before he got back Perez coming off of a loss to William Thurman So here's my question Spicely super fun submission skills But he doesn't seem to love to lean on him Right like he likes to throw his hands Same with Perez Perez has got a bunch of Darius jokes Loves to throw his hands Any chance we get to see these two grapples
1: geez I sure hope so because that <laughs> for, for an MMA junkie for someone that loves to see you know chess uh, you know like a chess match on the ground this would be exactly the fight for you I mean as you said Spicely he has 10 wins by stoppage six of them are by submission four are by by knockout so he he is well versed whether it's on the feet or on the ground but man Marcus Perez is so good and, and I just I think some people forget how good this guy is how well rounded he is I mean he he lost to eric anders in his debut i mean no shame there eric anders is is a stud whether it's at middleweight or at light heavyweight uh but you know this is a really interesting matchup i i hope it goes to the ground and if it does i'm not quite sure who would have the edge here i do feel like collectively speaking i think perez is a little bit more polished here and and i'm kind of leaning towards him because of that
0: yeah, I, I agree with you that I do think that that's true. I also think, you know, you mentioned the loss to Eric Anders. He also had a win on the regional circuit against Ian Heinich, who who is a, a top 15 middleweight now. So, and, and Paulo Tiago before that. So, I mean, like, he's had a really impressive career altogether. Um, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think he is a little bit more polished. And I also somehow find that this is not going to be a polished looking fight. You know, like, I feel like, like I said before, it, it is two really phenomenal grapplers I have a feeling we're just going to watch him get in the bloody war and and I'm I'm here for it either way. So uh it's time for that prediction. Who you got? How you got him?
1: Yeah, I, I, I think I do agree with you there, too, because sometimes you you uh, if you have two high-level grapplers, they cancel each other out. It ends up being a stand-up war. I'm going Perez. Uh, I think he might actually get the finish in the third round uh, via strikes. And people forget, Perez actually uh, finished Anthony Hernandez as well, who was another very tough fighter. So I think Perez gets the win, win here.
0: All right, and I'm going to go with the upset pick. I actually like Eric Spicely in this one. Uh, I think he's he's fine-tuned a couple of things. Call it me being a New England homer, but I think i got to pick the kid from Rhode Island. So – That's going to do it for the end of our second round. We are going to take a quick break, talk to our sponsors, and we'll be right back with The Last Two Fights. Hey, guys, I just want you to listen real quick to what subscribers to AJ's action SportsBets.com are saying about AJ. I've been following AJ for several months, and he's ultra impressive, but honestly, his winning selections and return on investment are not even the main reasons. His breakdowns and understandings of matchups is what impressed me the most. It can be very hard to separate your emotions and your favorite fighters in this game, but AJ seems to be able to objectively break down each fight with pinpoint accuracy and not let his emotions get in the way. He comes highly recommended in my book, and that quote is from Customer George, well, customer George, we fully agree with you, and we think all of our listeners will too. So please check out AJ at AJ's sports bets.com. And we are back with round number three. Got two more fights to talk about, and we're gonna put five minutes on the clock. And we're gonna start this round by talking about Jamal Emmers versus Timor Valiev. So Emmers. Lost in his debut by split decision to Giga Chikadze. Valiev making his UFC debut. He's 16-2 and on a six-fight win streak. He last fought for a company called GFC back in December. So obviously a really tough debut for Jamal Emers. Now he gets Valiev. What has he got to do to keep this fight on the feet where I think he's probably
1: got his best chance in the fight on his feet? Well, here's my first question for you because Jamal Emers is historically speaking a featherweight and i'm looking on Tapology, and it's saying that this fight is taking place at 135 pounds is that correct i'm uh, as far as
0: i'm aware i believe this is taking place at 35 as well but again you know topology i usually trust them you know i've seen it a couple other places advertise this featherweight but let's say this one's happening at bantamweight i, I would worry about emmers physically if this was happening at bantamweight
1: uh, that's the thing, too, because I actually just interviewed Jamal Emers less than a month ago, and, you know, he walks around upwards, you know, in the 160s, you know, and he's even fought at lightweight before, and, and he said, you know, whether he wanted to take a short-notice fight at lightweight or make the cut down to featherweight, that that's what he's looking for. So when I first saw that, that really got my attention because that could play a huge factor. We've seen it in other fights where a fighter cuts too much weight and affects his performance in a negative way come fight night, and that is a monster cut for a big man to get all the way down to 135 so if that's the case I am concerned uh, I do agree with what you said earlier about Jamal's best chance to win this fight is on the feet he's long He's he's got a great reach he knows how to use his boxing and to follow up on what you said about Giga Chikadze Jamal won that fight in my opinion you go back and watch it and and i I mean if you look at the significant strikes and just the output emmers won that fight i think he got robbed there uh but you know again at 135 with valiev's uh success and how good he is uh, on the ground and he's a smart well-rounded fighter that could be a problem so that that's something to really keep your eyes on if this is actually a bantamweight fight versus a featherweight
0: and if it is a featherweight fight here's the question valiev going up in weight is he able to get emmers
1: down or does he have to win a standard fight here Geez, I'm not sure that he would be able to get Emmers down. I I think Emmers is one of those guys that people, I don't want to say are sleeping on, but man, he's good. I mean, Giga Chikadze is really good, and Emmers was right in there, I mean, going toe-to-toe with him. And like I said earlier, I think he won the fight. I mean, you can go back to, what was it, 2017, Jamal Emmers beat Corey Sandhagen. He beat Corey Sanhig. So, I mean, that goes to show you right there the, the high level uh, of this, this fighter. Um, I actually feel like Emers should win um, if this fight was at 145. But, again, I am very concerned if this is a bantamweight matchup. All
0: right, well, give me a prediction for both of them, bantamweight matchup and featherweight matchup, who you got in both of those and how you got them
1: well i think if it was a featherweight matchup i i, I like emmers I, I think he gets the job done i'm not quite sure he finishes Valiev because he is pretty tough but i think he would win a unanimous decision and my concern here if it is at 135 is emmers having uh some problems from the weight cut and maybe gassing and losing a decision uh here in a very close fight i agree with that but i am actually going to give Valiev a slight lean even in a featherweight
0: fight here i just think you know the the tenacity there in the takedown is is just probably going to be a little bit too much and it's you know I agree with you it was a very close fight with Giga Chikoti but at the same time I think this is a whole different animal and a very different style fight and that brings us to our last one which is Chris Gutierrez versus newcomer Cody Durden uh, Durden 11 and two making his debut coming off a win back in July. That's right, July just a couple of weeks ago at NFC 125, he won by 82nd TKO, took the guys back, pounded him out. Chris Gutierrez, meanwhile, is on a three-fight win streak. He beat Ryan McDonald's, Geraldo de Freitas, and then he leg kicked TKO'd Vince Morales. So obviously, you know, if you got a chance to see Durden recently, what'd you think of the newcomer and what does he have to do here to be impressive just three weeks after his last impressive win?
1: So if anybody doesn't know, I actually do a weekly show with uh, UFC welterweight Anthony Rocco Martin. Anthony Rocco Martin trains at ATT Atlanta with one Cody Durden. I just spoke with Cody Durden before his title fight where he KO'd John Sweeney, and there was a ton of bad blood leading up to that fight. Uh, tensions were running high. Uh, actually, Durden gave him the DX suck it sign, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which made for kind of – I guess there were some fights in the stands and whatnot, but, but I dig. <laughs> Tony Martin has told me that this kid is the real deal. I mean, he right now, he's got a family. Uh, he works full time and he has been grinding his butt off. He's, he's on a seven fight win streak, seven straight finishes, 10 finishes overall, five by knockout, five by submission. He's extraordinarily well-rounded. Um, you know, I, I, I think normally I would, I would probably lean towards someone like Durden kind of making a splash in the UFC, but, Chris Gutierrez is is the real deal, and he's been around for a while. He, he's a veteran. This is a very difficult first fight, especially on short notice. Uh, I might like Cody's chances a little bit better if, this, if he had more of a training camp to prepare, um, but I think that could play a big factor here going in against a veteran like Gutierrez, and you saw what he did uh, with the leg kicks against Vince Morales, another high-level fighter. So this is really intriguing, and I love the fact that it's starting off The the actual card, uh, the first fight of the night, because this is going to be a banger.
0: Yeah, I agree with you entirely. And and I I have similar concerns about those leg kicks. You mentioned them. You know, Durden is a guy who looks very good when he's grappling, right? Like, I was very impressed by that takedown that took down uh, John Sweeney. I was impressed by how quickly he transitioned to the back. His grounded pound was great. Chris Gutierrez keeps distance so well. You know, those leg kicks are such a deterrent. You know, he he's able to stick, he's able to move. It does definitely worry me based on the fact that, you know, it's just 3 3 weeks since that fight at NFC 125. Ah, uh, it, it's a tough call. We are at the end of that time though. You got to give me your pick. Who you got? How you got him?
1: Oh, God. I hope Rocco, if he if he listens to this, he doesn't <laughs> kill me. I, I am leaning towards Gutierrez. I, I do feel like uh, this short notice fight for Durden might be a little bit too much for him this soon in his career. And look, I mean, Gutierrez trains out at Factory X in Colorado. I think Training at at altitude makes a big difference. I mean, cardio is king. And I think you're going to see more and more fighters making uh, the move and training uh, in Colorado just because of the benefits it has for your cardio. Uh, And if he can keep this on the fight, I I do think Gutierrez is going to get the job done.
0: Yeah, I kind of agree with you on that one, too. I I think he might even get a submission, a reactionary submission here if uh, Durden starts to shoot from too far away. That's kind of where I'm leading with that pick. We got to remember this is a guy who you know not only looks great on the feet, but he was supposed to fight Luke Sanders in this fight, who's been in the UFC for it seems like 30 years. So you know, I'm going Chris Gutierrez. I'm going to take him by submission, and uh, that's going to do it for all six of our fights. We gave you all of the lowdown on the prelims in just about 20 minutes. I want to thank my co-host Ryan Jurrell from Between Rounds Radio for joining me. Thanks so much, Ryan.
1: Hey, thank you. My pleasure.